welcome to Close to the Bones. This is Casey. I am a midwife with Moon Tree Midwifery, a direct entry midwife or traditional midwife, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, there's lots of terms for a midwife that is not certified through NARM and is not licensed uh, in her state or their state. And I am not either of those things. So, and I don't ever plan on doing that. So, um, today I wanted to talk a little bit about a topic that has been going around for the last few months and is just getting more and more traction as more details are coming to the surface and things like that. So, um, it is not illegal to have a home birth in any state in the United States. I am in the United States, so it is different in other countries. But in the United States, it is not illegal to have a home birth. But in some states, it is illegal to have a midwife in attendance of your birth. Especially if they are not licensed or even if they are licensed and they go against the state licensure and practice differently than what this state would like them to. So there are quite a few states that are like that. I think there's only two or three that allow unlicensed and licensed midwives to practice freely and completely without having extra, not necessarily security, but just extra uh, steps for their business, like a private membership association or things like that. And Utah is one of those and it's kind of really nice not having to worry about licensing if I don't want to and I don't I'm not restricted because of that so I can handle breach I can do twins um, I can do uh, v-backs if you've had more than one c-section and that one is severely lacking in most places once you've had two c-sections it's really really hard to provide to find a provider that will work with you for a vaginal birth and so in Utah, I don't have any of those restrictions and I can work with my own comfort level and my own knowledge along with what we're going to be talking today, which is informed consent and refusal. So most people really like to talk about informed consent, but they don't so much talk about the other flip side of the coin where you have informed refusal as well. Like we, we talk about it in the context of the hospital talking about how I don't want an IV when I go in. I don't want pain medication. I don't want to be strapped to a bed. I don't want frequent or continuous fetal monitoring. Um, I don't want vaginal checks. We talk about it in that aspect, but we don't really talk about it when you are discussing an out-of-hospital experience. So most out-of-hospital experiences are similar in that they're not taking place in a hospital with a doctor. So yes, there are some doctors that do practice at home like Dr. Stu uh, and then some other ones, but for the majority, they practice in the hospital. And so if you're out of the hospital, you're probably going to be working with a midwife. Now, there are different levels of midwives that work at home. You have certified nurse midwives, which went to nursing school, and then a master's program in midwifery. And some states allow them to practice at home. Some states do not. 
and some states only allow certified nurse midwives to practice out of the hospital. Then you have certified professional midwives, which have passed a test put on through NARM, the National, or Nate, no, hold on, North American Registry of Midwives, I think is what it's called. Um, they require you to attend a certain number of births as an assistant, as a secondary, as a primary, um, in the hospital, out of the hospital, and then you take a test and are certified through their registration board. That does not mean that you are licensed to practice. You can be a CPM and be unlicensed. So they are two different things. Most CPMs are licensed in the state that they work in, but some aren't. And so that is, if that's important to you, that's also something to realize. Um, and then you have a direct entry midwife or a traditional midwife or a lay midwife or a birth keeper or there are so many different names for a midwife that is not certified with any agency as a midwife and is not licensed in the state that they practice in. So in every state, as I said earlier, home birth is not illegal, but in certain states, home birth with a provider is. And so knowing that that is on the table, that any midwife practicing in any state, and yes, there are midwives practicing out of hospital in all 50 states in the United States. Like mo in the states where it's illegal, most of them practice underground and they have steps and lists and all sorts of things if a transfer happens and they have support from providers sometimes, things like that. But there are midwives everywhere that will attend to a pregnant person throughout their pregnancy, labor, birth, and postpartum regardless of state laws. So because of that, what does that have to do with informed consent and refusal? So in my own life, um, there are midwives that I would not feel comfortable having in my birth space. And licensed midwives in my state are risked out of helping me during my pregnancy and birth. So, and it's not even just that they are risked out of helping me. I am risked out from home birth care with any licensed provider in my state because I have some risk factors that the state deems too scary for home birth or birth center birth. And so I should give birth in the hospital. That didn't stop me from having two unassisted births, but it does stop licensed midwives from working with people like me. So when we are in the realm of informed consent and refusal, a lot of times this discussion is not brought up. The pregnant person's right to have whatever provider they want to have at their pregnancy, labor, birth, and postpartum, okay? Most of us don't feel like we have options. We have licensed midwives, we have certified nurse midwives, we have OBs. Um, you have, like, sometimes you can find a traditional midwife or direct entry midwife, um, and a lot of times those are just word of mouth and people telling you, oh, hey, I know this midwife because they can't let people know they exist. And so when 
discussing informed consent and refusal, this is a massive part. People know who they want to be at their birth. It is not a random, uneducated decision that 99% of these people are making. Most of them interview more than one midwife, and that includes either CNMs or licensed CPMs. That includes traditional midwives. That includes midwives working in a hospital. Most of them do not go with the very first person they interview. And when they make their decision, it should be their decision to make with who is at one of the most pivotal experiences of their life. And the problem that a lot of people have with this is that many don't think pregnant people are smart enough to choose their own provider, that they don't know the questions to ask, that they are blind to the risks of having a provider that either isn't licensed or is illegally practicing. Like a lot of people assume that hospital knows best, the registration boards know best, the licensing boards know best, and anyone that is willing to take the risk of an unlicensed midwife should not even be able to have that choice at all. And Utah is a really interesting place in that they want people to have that choice. Most of the midwives in this state want people to have the choice to choose the practitioner that is great for them and is a great fit regardless of licensing status. So we are one of the very few in the United States where this is an option. And there are times when not only are we inundated with information on the bad things that can happen or the people that have died or the babies that have died or I know a friend of a friend who transferred to the hospital as she was bleeding to death. Do you want that to happen to you? And of course, most of these stories happen with unlicensed midwives and they get the most press because of it because they don't have the financial means and the medical system backing to be able to fight these things. And so it's a lot harder. And the reason that I want to talk about this today is because in the news from May until now, so we're in September, there have been two stories that people cannot stop fighting about. They are two midwives that I know and appreciate their, and I I appreciate their wisdom and their love and their compassion and their willingness to work with people that make their own choice and they are there to back them up with that choice. One of them is licensed, one of them is not. And the story circulating around this not only in one case bash the mother for making this choice when it was so dangerous, but they also bash the midwives for supporting the choice that these pregnant people made about their care. So when you talk about 
being in the hospital and declining all of these different things because you want a natural birth or declining vitamin K or declining hep B or declining having your baby have a bath, like all of these things that you are declining in the hospital, I believe that people need to be aware that you can also decline these things with a provider that is out of hospital. There are times where the provider that you're comfortable with is doing things that you're not comfortable with and you have time and the ability to also refuse those situations. So when you're at a home birth and you don't want to be checked and your midwife wants to, you can say no. And also, like within this, many situations that midwives are in where there is a bad outcome or other things, everybody points their finger at the midwife because she's not trained enough, she didn't know how to do this, and then the story comes out from the parent's view, and a lot of times it is more midwife bashing, and then people are stuck in this cycle of, oh, well, did they do this, and did they do this, and did they do this, and that's why the baby died, because they didn't do this, but they're forgetting the key aspect of Nothing that happens in someone's pregnancy, birth, and postpartum is up to the practitioner. Absolutely nothing is up to the person that is simply there as the most clinically minded person in the room. It is not up to us. It is up to the person that is birthing the baby. If they do not want monitoring at all of their baby, that's fine. If they don't want monitoring with a Doppler, but they want it with a fetoscope, they have that right. Like if you are a midwife and you are not comfortable with those choices, then risking yourself out of that care is going to be the best option because it's going to keep coming up. But there are midwives that are comfortable with this this situation because they know that all of these people deserve the choice. They deserve the right to say yes or no fully and completely because it is their experience. Emergencies happen, but in an out-of-hospital setting, it is very rare for them to happen immediately. Like, there are signs that things are kind of going crappy and midwives are trained to notice those but they also notice them early enough that you can talk them out it's not a life or death situation right in the moment 99% of the time and so even if it is a situation where the midwife is telling you that this is leading down a bad path your baby may not make it you still have absolutely every right to say no I don't want to have that done. No, I don't want to transfer. No, I don't want this extra monitoring. No, I don't want you to do that. No, I don't want you to do this. With the exact same intensity that you would have in saying, yes, I do want to do that. Yes, I do want to transfer. Yes, I would like that extra help. Like you have the option to be anywhere along that spectrum. 
And in these stories that keep popping up, I think that that is one of the biggest things that keep getting missed. Yes, bad things happen. Like, life is not a guarantee. No one promises that everything will be happy. No one promises that every baby will survive. No one promises that every mother will survive. But within that entire scope, every single person that is pregnant with another being has the right to choose what is best for them and their baby without people dragging them through the mud and without dragging their midwife through the mud when their midwife was holding their hand while they are making these decisions. Okay, and now I'm going to switch gears a little bit because that was a little bit more of a heavy topic, but then again, that's kind of what this podcast is, being in those heavy topics and being in that discomfort. And I just want to talk about something really cool that is happening in the midwifery world, okay? Um, so you don't have to be a midwife to appreciate this. You may appreciate it simply because you have a uterus and the option of having children if you so wish to occupy your uterus with those children. But I want to talk a little bit about how amazing student midwives are. I am blessed to be building an incredible relationship with a bunch of phenomenal student midwives around the world. Like I I'm a nerd, so research and learning and self-study and all of those things are really fun for me. Uh, so talking about it with other people and talking about it with people that also understand how exciting it is when you find a new study that's like, hey, GBS isn't as big a deal as you thought it was, but it's still a big deal. Like finding little things like that, you're like, oh my gosh, let's pick this apart together. So here's a plug for some student midwives. So I think one of the most overlooked resources when you are a birth worker is the student midwife. Not only are they sponges and suck up every piece of information that comes flying by their brain, but they also are willing to hold space without judgment simply because they can. Like how many midwives does anyone know that has a hard time separating a story from their opinion because they have been practicing for so long? Like I think that's one of the biggest downsides to a peer review that doesn't have strict rules is you come at it from a place of distance. So it's not your case. It's not your situation. You have no idea what's happening and you can only think about what you did. But a student midwife in that exact same situation is going to be learning every single thing that someone says. 
like they're going to be learning all of the ins and outs of the case. They're going to be learning all the ins and outs of what the midwife did. They're going to be listening to the questions that other midwives ask. They're going to be listening to the feedback that's given. They are soaking all of this up. And that's just in a peer review. When you have a student midwife to talk to, when you have a student midwife in your practice, when you have a student midwife that is in that amazing area of, oh my gosh, I want all the information. Not only is it good for you to realize that maybe back in the day you weren't so jaded or maybe back in the day you were exactly like them or maybe it would be good for us to kind of go back there sometimes. Like there are so many different ways that you can picture how having a relationship with a student midwife could be good for every midwife. Like I struggle with the idea of midwives that don't want to take apprentices because it is so much work or they don't want to work with student midwives because it's too much work. But what's going to happen when you're done? Who is going to take your place as a midwife if there are no students? Who is going to be there to pick up the slack with evidence or research or differing knowledge like who is going to be there to have your back and to also be that non-judgmental sponge support someone that is learning from everything that you do making you evaluate why you make all of those choices in your practice why you chose to license why you chose not to why you chose to take on that client when you didn't take on one that had the exact same history three months ago. Why your prenatal care looks the way it does. Why you go to births when you do. Why you leave births when you do. What kind of postpartum care is offered. They want to know everything because they want to be you. They want to have their practice. They want to be successful. They want to work with pregnant people. They want to help them grow in their own power. They want to help them learn. They want to help them have the birth that the person wants to have. And student midwives as an untapped source of information is one of the biggest things that I would like to harp on forever. They don't know everything, but that's also part of it. They know they don't know everything. So they may have an idea about a birth or something that you hadn't considered, but they also know that half the time, the ideas that they throw out there, you've already considered and thrown out as you're rapidly going through everything in your brain and not outwardly discussing it. And so sometimes it's an awesome help thinking of something you hadn't thought of. But other times you're like, oh, good. So it's not just me that thought of that. Like it it can be validating knowing that, oh, I am the midwife and this is the student midwife and they get wins and I get wins. And that is great for both of us because we are creating an environment and a community where people will have access to quality care regardless 
of location, regardless of licensing status, regardless of type of education, regardless of all of these things. And I think we need to include student midwives more. We need to have them at our peer reviews. We need to have them at our events. We need to be meeting with them and talking with them and learning their concerns and learning their triumphs and their joys, learning the ways they feel they could be advancing quickly or the ways that they feel that our help could be better or our help is going too quickly. Like we need to be constantly reviewing with student midwives because they are the future of midwifery. I am not going to be a midwife forever. I I am only 32. I have a career ahead of me. I have time. I have lots of things if, you know, everything goes to plan and things like that. But I am not going to be around forever, and I want midwifery to not only be around forever, but I also want midwifery to grow in such a way that 80% of people pregnant in the United States are cared for by a midwife and 20% are cared for by obstetricians because obstetricians are surgeons. They are taught all of the things that can go wrong, they specialize in the things that go wrong. And if something went wrong in one of my births, I would want them there. But with the births that everything goes right, I wouldn't want someone looking for problems that aren't existing. I would want someone trained in normal birth. I would want a midwife at my birth to help me through the normal phase and transition and physiology of life. And so... I truly believe that we can do better. We can talk to student midwives more. We can invite them to things. We can ask how things are going. We can help them with all of the tools that we have access to that they may not have yet. And in helping them, we're helping ourselves because it's going to increase the quality of the care that we give It is going to increase the access to midwives. And if we are going to get to an 80-20 birth culture in the United States and worldwide, even though most places already have that worldwide or in their country, like we need to be willing to set aside our ego and our knowledge and all the ways we know we're right so that way we can be the board that lifts up the student midwives to give them the courage and the strength and the community and the support that many of us didn't have when we were student midwives it's time for us to be better it's time for us to not simply think of those that are having a home birth. It's time for us to also think of all of the people that have dreams of becoming a midwife, but they don't know who to ask. It's time for us to think about the people who dream of being in birth work, but they're unsure of how to start. It's time for us to be with all of the people that are currently going through an apprenticeship or a program or many other things that 
just want more people to work with and talk to and be with, it's time for us to step up. We are failing and it's time for us to shoulder the responsibility that was placed on us by those that we apprenticed with and those we trained with, those we studied with, those that made it so we can do this work without worry and issue. It is time for us to be those people for the incredible student midwives that daily around the world just need someone, anyone, just someone to be there. All right. And so just in closing, like talked about some pretty cool things today, but if you have anything that you want me to talk about, if you have any questions, if you're curious about my birth model, if you're curious about anything that I talk about, pretty much anything, you can reach out to me. My website is moontreemidwifery.com. My email is moontreemidwifery at gmail.com. And I am always open for a really good discussion. So even if you want to be on this podcast, let me know. I am really excited to be bringing this to many different platforms. And I am really excited to really dive deep into these topics. So thank you so much for listening. And let me know if you have anything that you want to add.